When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oh, the good old hockey game is the best game you can name. And the best game you can name is the good old hockey game. And here we go. Line ball to start this game. Jeremy Loblotsky and John Morassi teeing off on one another. Toporowski is just pounding away at Robinson. These, we said Toporowski, this is a guy who set a Western Hockey League record for 505 penalty minutes. Let's call it like it is. Toporowski's a boon. Getting closer, he reaches in a right back runner. He's not Chad Ripson. He's just fought. Stu Grimson. Oh my goodness. Scott Parker for the KO of Stu Grimson. He- this is one of the best hockey fights we have seen in a long time. Vinnabush tells the linesman, get the heck out of my kitchen. All right, Dexter. He absolutely decked Jim Kite with a wild right. The sheer stagger by a big left hand. Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to episode number 89 of the 5 for Fighting podcast. My name is Alec, your host, and this is the show where we focus on the players who drop the gloves and the fans who enjoy watching them do it. Brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. Hope everybody's doing well out there. As you can tell by the title, we have a hat trick going on here. Nico Blatchman, friend of the show, coming on for the third time. You know, what a great time. I apologize, this this episode is a little bit late getting out. I was going to record the intro for it yesterday after work, and I ended up working super late. And I actually was I was interviewing Kurt with the uh, with Hit Club Hockey tonight, and I was supposed to interview him yesterday, but I had to cancel that because I got off work late. So work work just fucks everything up, you know. God, if my wife can just get it, you know, get a little bit of a pay raise, I could be I could be a stay at home fucking dad for the dogs, right? Uh, no, I kid, of course, but yeah, work gets in the way a little bit here and there. So I'm I'm late getting this out. I was supposed to record the intro yesterday, like I said, and. Everything was supposed to be out today, but now here we are at 2 a.m. <laughs> on a Thursday. Well, I mean, on a Friday morning, I guess now. Uh, luckily, I don't have much to do for work tomorrow, so that's why I was like, ah, fuck it, I'll just stay up a bit. Um, but yeah, as you can tell, like I said by the title, Nico Blashman Part 3. Uh, I want to thank Nico for coming on to the show uh, for a third time. You know, it definitely, uh, definitely means a lot that he take the time out of his day to come on and uh, talk about his season. He had a great season, finished the year strong in Norfolk, and this is a great interview. Nico is always a, such a great interview, very easy guy to talk to. Um, and you'll listen to this interview and, you know, it gives you kind of an inside look at the role of enforcing and then, you know, finding the scoring touch a bit. And I, I think a lot of folks are going to enjoy this interview. Like I said, it's always a good time with Nico. Um, honestly, without Nico, I don't know if I would have dove headfirst into the ECHL like I did because he was actually the first coast player I ever had on, at least active. Um, of course, I've had on players before him that had played in the ECHL years ago. I'm talking probably like, you know, early 2000s and the 90s and stuff like that. But Nico was the first kind of current hockey player I ever really interviewed. So 
it was interesting uh, first talking to him, and I remember being all not nervous, but I just I always feel like a loser going up and asking people, "Hey, how, you know, how would you feel about coming on the podcast?" And it's like you know, because everybody and their brother has a podcast, of course. Um, but no, Nico, fantastic guy. And this was a great interview. I had a lot of fun talking with Nico. It's always a good time. Hopefully he ends up in Norfolk next year so I could go watch him play. Um, I also just recorded with Kurt from Hit Club Hockey Supply tonight. If you're listening to this episode, because I'm going to draw, like, I'm just going to piece this together. So this will probably be out by like 2.30, 2.45 in the morning. I said it was going to be out tonight. Well, well, I made the post for Thursday and, you know, it's Friday morning. It is what it is. But yes, I wrapped up an interview with Kurt from Hit Club Hockey Supply, so that'll be out next week. Um, before I go any further, of course, as I mentioned off the top of the show here, I'm a member of the Hockey Podcast Network. The Hockey Podcast Network has over 50 shows represented by every single NHL team, so whatever team you are a fan of, more than likely there is a show for you to listen to on the network, so I encourage you to go back and check out um, the Hockey Podcast Network website. And, you know, whatever your favorite team in the NHL is, go ahead and take a look-sees out there because you could probably find a podcast, like I said. And on the original content side of things, um, <clears throat> you got myself, you have Joe Lazito over at the Coliseum Chronicles. By that name, you could tell he's a Islanders enforcer podcast. And I know I got some ECHL fans that listen to the podcast. Well, I should say I got some. That's, I think, a lot of my fan base now at this point. But uh, Joe just actually had on Ross Olsen, and he just, I think it dropped today. Uh, Ross Olsen was a two-parter. That's been out, and that's one of my favorite interviews Joe's ever done. And I believe it just came out today. I haven't listened to it yet, but the, the episode with Jimmy Mazza um, of Orlando, formerly of uh, Adirondack and stuff like I think it was Adirondack. Uh, I can't think of it off the top of my head. You know, Hopefully that sounds right. I don't know. It's 2 a.m. You know, I'm not going to pull up the hockey DV. Um but yeah, Jimmy Mazza of the Orlando Solar Bears. I'm looking forward to listening to that. I'll probably tune into that one tomorrow. Um, on you know, I think I might just listen to it while I'm chilling around the house. Luckily, I'm working from home tomorrow, so that's why, like I said, that's why I'm up at fucking 2 a.m. right now. Um, but Joe does a fantastic job. Like I said, he's an Islanders kind of based podcast. Although now I think he's going to branch out since he signed with the network. Uh, but he's got a tremendous back catalog with guys like you know Mick Fukoda, um, Mike McWilliam. Excuse me, Aaron Asham, guys like that. Uh, Joe has a tremendous back catalog, so I'm looking forward to listening to this Jimmy Mazza interview. And like I said, for you ECHL fans out there, go listen to his Ross Olsen interview. Both parts one and two were just tremendous. Um, like I said, I, I messaged him and said these are probably some of my favorite interviews you've ever done. So I encourage you to go check out the Ross Olsen interviews Joe does and, and his entire back catalog. Fantastic job. And the other side of the original content part for the Hockey Podcast Network, you got Darren, the OG, the original Enforcer Podcast, out there in Saskatchewan. He just had on, oh man, what was his name? Haley Ross and um, James Brooks, the Ice Wars competitors. So I encourage you to go check that out. And I know he just had on some fight fans. I got I got some catching up to do in the podcast world, um, especially on Darren's podcast, because like I said uh, in the previous episode, I kind of was updating everybody. I've been kind of out of the loop, basically. Um, and congratulations, actually, while I'm saying that. Congratulations to the Florida Everblades. Back-to-back Kelly Cup champions. Boy, I picked the right time to become an Everblades fan. Uh, you know, as folks who have listened to the show for a while know that my wife and I became season ticket holders for the Everblades last year. And, of course, they won the Kelly Cup last uh, last season. Ended up winning it again this year. So congratulations to them. Uh, it's great to see some of the boys that you kind of develop a relationship with, um, you know, from being around the arena and stuff like that and going to fan club events and all the all the fun, happy minor pro hockey stuff. So it's it's cool to see the the boys win win cups again, and um, you know 
congratulations once again to the Florida Everblades. It was very cool to see that. Luck, luckily, we had it on in the on the big screen. The way normally before watching hockey like that, I'll just tell the wife, you know, yeah, watch whatever. I'll pull it up on the iPad. But it was the uh, the old championship uh, game, so I was like, yeah, fuck it, we got to throw it up on the big screen. So it was cool cool to get to see the boys win it again. And I know it's just going to be an absolute gong show down there. And I I've seen some pictures. The boys got they got the Kelly Cup in the pool and everything like that. So lots of lots of great stuff happening on there. Congratulations to the Florida Everblades. Um, well, as I mentioned before, you know, next week we got Kurt from the Hit Club Hockey Supply coming on here. If you're listening to this, uh, if if you're listening at 2 a.m., I don't think it's released yet. Um, but if you're listening to it a little bit later, the merchandise should be out. It's on the Hit Club Hockey Supply website. All you got to just look up Hit Club Hockey. I believe it's HitClubHockey.com. Um, or just look up Hit Club Hockey on Instagram and Twitter or Facebook, and I'm sure there's plenty of links to the websites, and you will find them there. But the merch has dropped. Um, so I, you know, again, it hasn't dropped on the website yet as, I, as of recording this, but I know there's shirts, hoodies, hats, and there's even a surprise shirt. I don't know. Kurt told me about it. I don't know exactly what the design is, but he was like, yeah, we tossed one in there, a different design. We were going to surprise you with it. Um, so I don't know exactly what the design looks like, but I'm sure it's if it's coming from the boys at Hit Club, it's going to be good stuff. So uh, I encourage folks to go over there, help support the podcast. You know, you can support you know the the mom and pop podcast like myself in many ways. Not only can you buy merch, but do me a favor if you've been whether you've been a long time listener, or you've listened to just a couple episodes, but you enjoy the podcast, do me a favor. If you're on Spotify or iTunes, go ahead and give a a, a review. Whether you write one or just give a couple stars, whatever it is. I've had one star. I've had five stars. Believe me. Uh, I, I've had it all. I know my, my voice in the podcast isn't everybody's cup of tea. So uh, I get it. But if you enjoy the podcast, that's the best, like that is literally the best way to support the podcast that. And if you download the episode and don't stream, that really helps um, with mom and pop podcast, at least with us on the network here, because that will uh, allow us to, it, we get paid by the download here. So um, if you, download the episode then it's money in our pockets and it goes to helping you know support the leagues and uh support the podcast helps play for like you know the skype or the zoom bill that i use to um interview players and what have you so do me a favor rate and review our shows it really means a lot to all of us um i'm not going to yammer on too long i still got to piece this all together like i said this episode will likely be released around probably like 230 245 um so I won't keep you guys too much longer. I just wanted to, uh, you know, once again, congratulate the Florida Everblades for winning the, the Kelly Cup. I know the Vegas Golden Knights won the Stanley Cup, so congratulations to them as well. Hershey just tied it up against, um, oh, fuck, is it Coachella Valley? I think that's the name of the team. Sorry, I apologize if you're a fan of that team. I just don't, I really don't know the AHL too well. Um, but I, th- I believe it's Coachella Valley, the Firebirds. But Hershey just tied it up. Series is tied 2-2 two to two in the AHL Calder Cup, so... That's still ongoing. Um, if you want to follow the podcast, give me a follow. I'm on all platforms, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Just search Five for Fighting Podcast. It'll, everything should come right up. Um, and do me a favor. Go follow the boys over at Hit Club Hockey Supply, like I mentioned before. And uh, if you want to know what they're all about, tune in next week at the episode. I kind of go over everything with Kurt and what, what their mission is and everything like that. So it was a lot of fun having those guys. On, or I should say Kurt. But we're, we're going to do um, – excuse me. We're going to do more stuff for the future. Um Sorry, I got the bush lights going. I was like, yeah, you know what? Fuck it, why not? So I got a, got a couple bush lights in me. Um, 
But yeah, go check out the boys at Hit Club. Go check out the Hockey Podcast Network. Um, and like I said, I encourage anyone to, if you want to support the podcast, buy some merch. Um, I believe the sizes are going to go up to 4X. So I support the big, we, we support big boys around here. I myself being a, uh, I could be the plus size model of the five for fighting merch. <laughs> we'll put it that way. Um, no, I kid, but yeah, if you, if you check it out, uh, you know, buy something. If you, if you happen to get something in the mail from, um, hit club, after you purchase it and you want to post a picture, do me a favor, tag me, and I'd love to re- hopefully repost some Five for Fighting merch from around the globe here. We'll see what we'll see what happens. Um, but no, looking forward to working with the boys at Hit Club. Uh, well, as you know, folks, my rule is typically 10 minutes for the intro. We're going 10 minutes and 45 seconds, so I'll start getting out of your ears. You guys came here to listen to Nico Blatchman anyway and not hear me yap. So without further ado, folks, I appreciate all the support. Do me a favor, go support the Hockey Podcast Network, support Hit Club merch, and support the podcast on all social media platforms. Without further ado, we will pass it over to Nico the Nailgun Blatchman. Until next week, everybody. Hope you enjoy. This should be good. This should be very good. All right, folks, and back here on the Five for Fighting podcast for the third time going for the hat trick here is Nico Blatchman, one of the fan favorites, the polarizing figure in the ECHL. Nico, how you doing today, man? I'm great. My first ever hat trick, so I'm fired up. <laughs> Absolutely, man. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to come on the podcast and give us the the rundown about your your year this year you had in the coast. Um, but before we get into the interview, I want to congratulate you know you and the wife on welcoming your your beautiful baby daughter into the world, your first child. You know what's it what's it like so far being a father, man? It's amazing. I uh, I got a permanent smile, dude. It's unbelievable. Uh, just every day is is amazing and. Just watching her grow even in these past two weeks has been crazy. She's grown so much and uh and her mom's unbelievable. So uh it's it's been awesome. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Uh well again, congratulations. It's uh cool. I'd, I'd see uh and what did one of your siblings have a kid not that long ago as well? So like Yeah, you, my brother had a baby like right two on. weeks before me, yeah. Yeah, well, you bet your parents are stoked about that now. They got well, they got three grandkids now, right? Yeah, so they only had one, and now they have three after <laughs> just, May. Wow. So just awesome. like that, in the month of May, get three of them. That's awesome. Um, yeah. Well, man, I guess we'll take it from the top here. So before um, you know, you you got to Norfolk, you ended up with Allen and Savannah. Um, well, I guess before we get into Allen, you know, how, how did you feel about this this year overall for you? Um, you know, being that it's your second year pro, um, and I think you, you you're still kind of you've learned some things from last season, I guess, that you kind of corrected this season and everything like that. So how, how did you feel? What would you give yourself overall this year for, um, you know, how, how you did? Um, I'd say, I say it was a good year for me. Honestly, I'm, uh, I'm very grateful for the opportunity that I got towards the end of the year there in Norfolk. And, uh, I was able to put up a little bit of numbers and do a lot more damage than I did last season. So, I'm extremely grateful for uh, this whole season. It's been it's been a hell of a ride, but it's been fun, and uh, there's been a lot of lows and a lot of highs. So uh, it's taught me to appreciate every minute, that's for sure. But um, I'd say overall, I'm happy with the season. Um, you obviously don't want to play for five teams in a year, <laughs> um, but it was only my second year pro, mm-hmm. and I was still I am still making a name for myself. So I wanted to just uh always be grateful and try to 
try to seize the opportunity when I was given one. Um, unfortunately, I wasn't given too much opportunity everywhere I went, but I was just, I was just grateful for the opportunity to be there. And uh, I got a lot better this season. I worked on a lot of things um, and I feel like I've improved a ton. So uh, I take that as a win for sure. Yeah, absolutely, man. Um, well, I know you, the way I see it, the uh, you know, if you're getting traded to teams, it means other teams want you too. So it's, I always say, you know, trading could be a good thing or a bad thing for players but all it means is another team wants you does it mean yeah know, for sure one of them was a trade the last one so to trade it from savannah to norfolk right. was a so all the other ones was just getting released <laughs> i know i know that uh, <laughs> i know you because st- you started the year uh man it's funny i was trying to clip that fight too i know you started the year for uh florida uh during the preseason as well and i think it was it was it olsen you fought in the preseason yeah, so I fought two guys that game, Olsen and um, Mazza. That's right. Yeah, you fought both the both the heavies there for uh, Orlando. Yeah, I remember, and I was <laughs> my nerdy self. I like reached out to whatever company because uh, for those listening, it was like it was at Orlando's practice rink, wasn't it? Nobody, yes. there was nobody there. It was it's yeah. only only real dogs are fighting in those games. It was awesome. Like shout out to those two guys that fought me too. That first guy Mazza, he actually asked me to go after I cross checked him or something. So. You know that's awesome. I love that. It's just an empty arena. The boys checking them. Exactly. Yeah. I was. I like reached out to whoever, whatever company it was. I was like, can you? Get, is there a way I can get like that game footage? And they were like, no, nah, there's no way. I was like, oh shit. Well, because I was trying to get trying to get the fights because I know you had you had a couple, and then somebody else had one too. I think. Um, but yeah, it was. Uh, I was trying to get that footage, but unfortunately, no go. But um, so, but after Florida, you ended up in Allen. Uh, take us through your experience with Allen. You actually, uh, you played quite a, you played a decent amount of games there before uh, going to Savannah. But you know, how was it uh, out there in Allen? Yeah, it's actually crazy how I ended up there. Um, I got released from Florida. I only went to Florida on a PTO, so I just right. did camp, and then I was released kind of last day. So. We didn't know what was going to happen. Stayed in Florida for a couple of days. Didn't hear anything. So I kind of was hearing maybes from a couple of teams. So I started to drive up north with my wife and our dog and our packed car. <laughs> and uh, we were just driving up north, hoping that one of those maybes would become a yes. I remember driving towards Greenville. I think they were one of the teams. And then they ended up saying no while we were in a hotel in Greenville. So then we started driving towards somewhere else or whatever. And then... We ended up being like, okay, let's go to the SPHL. Like Huntsville has been calling me and I have no other option. Like I'm not going to stop playing hockey, you know, and I'm not just going to go sit at home. Like this is my life. So I'm going to play hockey. So I signed in or I went to, I was on my way to Huntsville and I was maybe like a couple hours away, maybe one or two hours away from Huntsville. And I got a call from the Allen head coach saying that, you know, they they wanted to sign me and they had just had Robido suspended and stuff. So ended up going there and uh, played, I think, like 13 games, something like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was OK. Uh, I didn't get to play a lot, but I got to be in the league. And that was the biggest thing. When you have a moment when it's like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to play in this league, then you're just so grateful to be in the league. It doesn't right. even matter what's your job or anything like that. So. In Allen, I was just extremely grateful to be there and uh, tried to take opportunity, tried to take advantage of any opportunity I got. And then I was released uh, right before Robodeau's suspension uh, was done. So I ended up, what, what, after I got released there, I actually ended up going to Huntsville. Yep. So what happened was after I got released there, I was like, 
not hearing anything again. So I was going to go play in the LNAH actually. Oh, were uh, you really? Which is something that, yeah, which is something that uh, like probably nobody knows. It was just like between me and the guy and my wife knew obviously because she was in the car. And so we were on our way to Montreal and I was going to play for Laval. And it was crazy because you really don't want to do that. Like 20, 25 years old, um, second year pro only. Right. Like I, I really wanted to play as much as I can in the ECHL, see if I can climb up to the American league, you know, and then eventually the Holy grail, the national league. But so it was like, it really sucked for me kind of realizing that I'm going to the LNAH. And when we were on our drive there, the SPHL coach in Huntsville called and said, you know, why don't you just come and play a game tonight? This is like 8 a.m. I think it was like 8 a.m. Yeah, early in the morning. Like, why don't you just come and play a game tonight? Like, we have a game tonight. And I look how far Huntsville is, and it was like eight hours. Something something like I was just going to get to the rink, like, right before right, the game. Right as the puck's dropping, basically. And <laughs> and uh, I was like, but I really don't want to play in the LNAH. Like, once I get to Canada and I play in the LNAH, like, that's it. You know, I'm not coming back to the ECHL. So I was like, oh, all right, so I'll come play tonight. Yeah, I'll come play tonight. You know, it'll buy me two days in the U.S., and maybe a ECHL team will call. So I went and I played that game that night, you know, and I remember like I didn't get like so much. I was just expecting, I don't know why, to play so much and stuff. And I was like playing the fourth line role and I was just like, wow, this is it. You know, like I'm going to I'm going to go to the LNAH and that's it, you know. Right. Uh, and uh, fortunately for me, I got a call the next day from Savannah and they uh, signed me. So I went over there and uh, that was the best, man. That was amazing. Savannah is such an unbelievable organization. I got nothing but good things to say about that place. Uh, even though they traded me away, it was just uh, first class since the day we got there. I mean, me and my wife, we had a beautiful setup in the apartments. Uh, the rink is brand new. The fans are, it's sold out every night. You can lose eight home games in a row and the ninth one's going to be sold out too. So it's just unbelievable, man. Uh, I got nothing but good things to say about Savannah. My time there was amazing. Uh, the group of guys were amazing. And um, and then we're just sitting at home one day. I remember getting the call from the coach. Yeah, you got traded to Norfolk. It was one of those uh, future considerations. So right. they had gotten a guy earlier. So Norfolk got to choose and they chose me. So um, to be honest with you, I was not happy. Um, when I got traded to Norfolk, because as you can tell, like I loved Savannah. So it really was like, ah, we were not happy going to Norfolk. And, you know, they were the last place team and they had like eight wins and stuff like that. So I was, it sucked at the time. And then we got to Norfolk, you know, and I, I played, a, I didn't play that much more like my first couple games, but I definitely played more than I ever had in the ECHL. And uh, I was feeling, uh, I was starting to feel good about myself and gain confidence enough to even like, I remember asking for more ice time, you know, which I would have never done before. So, and then I ended up getting it and I ended up having success, like in terms of points. And, you know, that was a very important part of, piece of my career and I know like looking forward like or when it's all said and done I'll remember my time in Norfolk like that little stint because it's a time where I was able to start to believe in myself as a player and prove to myself and others that I can actually play hockey and uh, you know score goals get assists make plays be a reliable player and stuff like that where 
I deep down knew that I that I could do all those things. But, you know, when you don't do it for so long in a game, uh, you start to kind of doubt yourself. So it was really nice for me to kind of get that belief back in my game for sure. Yeah, for sure. Well, before, before we get to Norfolk, I'll comment on that. But I, I got to laugh about the LNH. Um, you know, if this was like circa 2005, 2006, you'd have been making – you know, almost three figures there in the LNH. That's how much they were paying fighters. It was stupid. Um, but yeah, it's funny you mentioned that because I, you know, of course I have different, uh, different people or different fans of leagues and stuff. And there's a guy, um, who's a huge, huge LNH fan and they do signings. And for those that don't know, the LNH will claim player rights. If in case, uh, like, like yourself, like if you were to go up, like Laval had your rights. I remember seeing it when they came out with like the LNH draft or whatever. And he's like, you think Nico's going to come up here? I was like, no, nah, he's going to be in the ECHL. I didn't realize you were that close to going to the LNH up there in Laval. Um, like, I think they've, I think it was um, uh, Rivier de Loop. I think they claimed like Travis Howe last year or something like that too. So it's always funny to see that. Um, but no, it's great that you found, you found your stride out there in Norfolk. And I, when you got traded, I told my wife, it was funny. I told my wife and I was telling my buddy, John, uh, with the hockey fight league, who's another big ECHL fan. I said, if anything, this is probably the best opportunity for Nico because like they're a last place team. I said, I'm hoping he gets more ice time and he can go out there and, um, you know, cut his teeth a bit more instead of just being, you know, minimal minutes. And it showed, I was watching, I watched actually a lot of the games, um, that you were, you were playing towards the end of the season there. I was going back and forth between you guys and Florida, um, and you could definitely just see, you could just see it, how much more ice time you were getting. And you could tell you were more comfortable carrying the puck up the ice and making those passes and everything like that. So it's just, it's cool to see you kind of come into your own. And I will say that's probably one of the cool things with the ECHL is it's kind of a development league. I know. Um, but to see players like yourself, you know, start getting more minutes and everything and prove your worth to teams and see if teams are like, cause now, uh, for those that don't know, the ECHL, the, the teams they'll release protected lists. You're on the protected list for Norfolk, so they still want your rights. So that shows that you're valuable to the team, which is awesome. So, um, no, great. I mean, phenomenal job that you did out there in Norfolk. And I know you scored your first goal in Savannah, though. What was it like scoring your first first career ECHL goal? And it was it was a snipe, too, right off the faceoff, basically. Oh, that was unbelievable, man. Unbelievable. It was my first game with Savannah, too, in Jacksonville. Um you know, playing as an extra guy, I believe, and uh, another guy who I think it was his first apple or something, Josh Victor, he got the assist on that one. So, man, that was an unbelievable feeling. It wasn't a snipe, though. It looks like a snipe, but it actually was kind of a muffin, and it hit the goalie, and then it, like, trickled in. But it looks like a snipe on the video, which is awesome. Oh, so, they, all, they all count the same. <laughs> yeah, they all count the same. But, yeah, no, that was awesome, actually. In Savannah, I kind of started to get going, too. Like, I credit a lot of my um, confidence in my game to Norfolk, but in Savannah, it was awesome. And the coach there, Rick Bennett, was really great to me. And he set me straight and uh, he told me how it is, but he was very honest, you know, like brutally honest. And that's exactly what you want from a coach. Uh, if you're a guy that wants to get better, you know, so when I didn't do the right thing, he let me know. And I paid the price in terms of like, you know, bag skating or not being in the lineup. And then um, when I did the right thing, he also let me know. And, and I just knew also, you know, so it's, it, right. it's just, it was just, it was just nice. Uh, I kind of forgot your question there. Sorry. Oh no, I don't. I don't. I don't think I even had a question. I think I was just kind of bullshitting. Um, oh okay, okay, my bad. But yeah, anyway, no, I was just talking uh, about your. I was talking about your first goal in Savannah. That's oh all yeah, yeah, yeah. So oh yeah, sorry. So I <laughs> no, credit a lot man. of my success to uh, to Savannah and actually Rick Bennett because I scored my first goal there and then I didn't have a point for ten games, and then I got a assist and a goal 
in my last two games there. So I did put up three points in Savannah and I, and I think like 12 or 13 games. So I definitely started to get going in Savannah and uh, the coaching staff there helped me a lot. And just uh, everyone there was awesome to me. So I got I, well, I to gotta ask this because your second goal was against, of course, the Florida Everblades. Did it feel good to score against Florida a little bit? It felt unbelievable. <laughs> I uh, I was uh, I was a point per game that weekend against the Everblades, and I made sure to. And uh, it was just it was just awesome, you know. I played for the ever I, you know, I only played I think two games in for the Everblades in yeah. total. But uh, I played my first game as an Everblade, and I owe them I I owe them so much because they got my foot in the door in pro hockey and the ECHL and allowed me to start my career. Um, so I owe them so much and I got nothing but good things to say about the Florida Everblades and actually shout out to them for winning the cup uh, and shout out to MVP Cam Johnson. Um, but, you know, I went to Florida on a PTO in the beginning of the year um, because that's the place where I really wanted to be. Um, and I had such a good off season. I thought there was no way you know, I wouldn't make it. But unfortunately, you know, things don't always go as planned. So um, that's why, you know, it didn't it didn't really work out there. But it's just uh, that's that's the way she goes, you know. Exactly. Yeah, no, for sure, man. Um, of course. I but I definitely let them know. I definitely I definitely <laughs> let them know, you know, that I was point per game against them in the season. So definitely. I yeah. felt great. For sure, man. Um, well, I, rewinding a little bit back to Allen, you actually fought Stefan Fournier, and he's a very tough dude. And he doesn't fight quite as much anymore, but I think it's because he just doesn't have to prove his medal. He's been a veteran. He's been around for quite a while. Um, but, you know, how was it? Take us through that fight with Stefan Fournier there. Yeah, to be honest with you, I I don't think guys ask him because he was very easy going. Uh, asked him if he wanted to fight. He said, yeah, you have to go buckets off because something about his hand. I said, no problem. And it was off the opening draw. So I think he his lack of fights come due to people being scared of him, you yeah. know, and he's a tough guy. He's earned that. Um, so I respect it. I respect him a ton. You know, it was like I said, it was an easy fight to get. And you always love that. And it was a great one, you know, uh, off the draw, uh, buckets off. It was it was really good. He caught me with one that broke my nose in the middle of the fight. And then we kept it going. And then towards the end, he kind of like pushed me down. I feel like I feel like he shouldn't have done that because we could have had a lot, much longer fight. You know what I mean? He kind of like ended it by pushing me down. But it is what it is. You, you, I would love to see fights end more with punches rather than guys uh, pushing guys down or wrestling guys down and things like that. I like just throwing until someone goes down. But uh, I think it was a great tilt, you know, for me, broken nose and a couple stitches on the dome from hitting the ice. But uh I actually met him right after the game and uh, we hugged it out. And uh, I think he's a bit of an emotional guy and, and an awesome guy, like really takes care of the guys that do this job. And he was like, you know, if you ever need anything, you know, him being an older guy um, to let him know. So that was a really cool experience. You know, he's fought a ton of guys. He's got a great fight card. And uh, from what I've heard, he's a, he's an awesome teammate because, uh, I have a ton of buddies still in Allen and, you know, they got him actually towards playoffs. So, yep. uh, yeah, I heard he's a great guy and, uh, that was a great tilt, great tilt. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, well actually, and then your first tilt for Savannah, this was Savannah's fans introduction to Nico Blatchman. 
And this was a barn verdict, man. You and Sean Golka, buckets off, going at it. That was probably one of the best fights of the year. Um, I'd put it right behind probably the double TKO uh, that happened between uh, Yemens and uh, Belanti there. But, you know, take us through that fight with Sean Golka. And here's a quick message from our sponsor. Hockey fans, light the lamp during the hockey playoffs with DraftKings Sportsbook. New customers can make a $5 bet and score $200 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use the code THPN. Again, that is code THPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Massachusetts, call 800-327-5050 or visit gamblinghelplinema.org. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE NY to 467-369. In Kansas, call 1-800-522-4700. On behalf of Boothill Casino and Resort in Kansas City, 21 or older in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details and state-specific responsible gambling resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. Terms at sportsbook.draftkings.com slash hockey terms. Again, that is code THPN. Man, that was a marathon kill. Yeah. Like, I'd love to know how he was feeling after because I was so exhausted. I, like, you know, after, I don't know, after a hard workout, imagine doing it like 10 times after again and... I was to the point where I thought I was going to pass out on my way to the box just from like, I couldn't <laughs> breathe. I was so tired. When you see me selling, I'm selling like this. Right. Yeah. So slow because I just had nothing left in me, man. It was an absolute battle and uh credit to him. I think he only played a couple games in the coast and he was like in the SP all year. He's probably nails in that league, but he, uh, he's tough and he's a young kid. I think he's like a night, a 2000 maybe, but, uh, straight out of the whl i think but um yeah that was a great fight i remember i tried to catch him with a, a left jab right off the hop mm-hmm. and i missed and i like leaned in so much to it because it would have been a great great start there but uh yeah and then i adapted and i remember he did hit me a couple of times for sure but i landed a couple too it was just a just a marathon beautiful tilt and then we ended up fighting again actually that same game yeah. um, because because uh, after that fight, I was so exhausted. I was so exhausted thinking in the box. And then I started thinking, like, did I lose that fight or did I win that fight? And I wasn't sure, you know. And I was just so tired. And I get to the room and I put ice on my chest, like ice on my head. And I'm sitting and I'm thinking I'm trying to like catch my breath again. And I'm like, did I win that fight or did I lose that fight? Like, And I don't know because I, I just – it was so long. It seemed so even. And he's a rookie, so I was like, I can't lose that fight. So when I got on the ice again for the next period, I went by their bench. I said, Golka, round two right away. And he, like, laughed, whatever. He didn't want to fight. But then there was, like, a scrum at the end of that period, and I just grabbed him and shedded my mitts. And I got the better of him, I think, the second time. He didn't really land any punches. I don't even know if he got his gloves free. So it was kind of me jumping him. But Yeah, but I remember I it was over, over by the glass there towards the end of the period. Um well, and and also out there in Savannah, you had a teammate. I got to ask you about uh, another huge heavyweight in the league, but Darian Skio. Uh, how is it being teammates with, or how was it being teammates with him? I should say, Ski's the man. He was over my place all the time, uh, hanging out. He's awesome, man. He's he's an unbelievable guy. One of the nicest guys you'll ever meet. At the same time, 
you would never want to fight this guy. I actually fought him when we played CIS. Um, uh, when we were like 20, when I was like 20 and he was 21, but uh, he's absolute nail gun. Like this year, something about his finger, he got like three different like things done to his finger, just rods going in. And like, <laughs> I think he got a rod in his finger and then he played that day. And then the rod bent or something. Oh. And so he had to have the rod taken out and then put put a new one back in. But then he also came back too early after that one. So he had to have it like a third time. Something like that. Something crazy. Just like, <laughs> man, you're nuts, dude. Like your nails. But he's uh he's so tough, dude. He's long, he's strong. I mean, and and he's experienced. So those are three things you don't want to go up against. Yeah, I'd put a he's he's probably in my top five for the league if I had to you know, break it down there. Um, definitely such a, he's such a tough dude. He's just tall as shit. He had that great fight. Um, I, the, whoever he fought is, I think it might've been Garrett Cockrell, but you guys had like the dumb and dumber night jerseys and he was going out oh. at Senate rice. Oh, and he was going at it with, uh, with, I think it was Cockrell. Now that I'm thinking about yeah, it. Yeah. So that guy had a big hit. That guy had a big hit and props to that guy for answering the bell to skill. Yeah, and big, it was a pretty props, solid tilt props. too. Yeah, he did very big props well to him still. because uh, he had no business fighting Skeel, but he had a dirty hit, um, like just a shift before, dirty hit, or I don't even remember if it was dirty. I think it was dirty. It badly concussed a guy, he stretchered off the ice. I was in the stands. I remember thinking someone's got to do something about that, but I don't know if he'll go Skeel and center ice. That was awesome. Yeah, they definitely went at it. Um, well, you know, speaking of kind of possible dirty hits, I know you talked about it on the Buzz Pod, which for those that don't know, that is Nico's podcast. You can go check it out on it's on all platforms, correct? All platforms, yeah. Uh, there you go. Um, yeah. So, oh, well, no, I'm not doing I'm not doing the video. It's just audio. Sorry. Oh, okay. For those yeah, who yeah, can't no see it, Nico's got uh, he's got the Buzz Pod sign in the background, wearing the merch, and everything like that. And you could actually yeah. you just you just started selling merch, right? Yeah, we just started selling merch. It's uh, you can get it the Buzz Pod. You can figure you can find it probably type the BuzzPod Shopify, you know, on Google yep. and it'll pop up. But if not, you can go on Instagram, go to the BuzzPod underscore the links in the bio. Uh, but yeah, we just came out with merch. Uh, we just started going because we only go in the off seasons, you know, right. during the season, uh, all three of us play. So uh, Zach just got home solo from his seasons. So, you know, he we do it together uh, along with another guy that plays D3. So. Right on. Um, well, you touched on it on the podcast, but I want to go over, um, you know, it was posted by Spittin' Chicklets and everything like that. Uh, and of course, there's always two sides to the story and people just see a 10-second clip and make assumptions. But it was when you uh, took the Saucy versus Maine and you ended up kind of ground and pounding the guy. Um, but can you take us take us through that entire incident? What led up to it? How was your reaction from the league suspending you? And, you know, what are your general thoughts on it? I want to give a huge, uh, huge shout out to um, all those fans that said that I was balding on Twitter. <laughs> I grew my hair out for you guys. You guys can't see the video right now, but Alec, you can see. Verified. It is verified. Can, He's not you balding. You can tell them. So I have a beautiful set of hair and I choose to shave it during the season. Um, I was gonna say you're not quite you're not quite on Kyle Newber level yet, but you'll get there. <laughs> no, no, no. But I just started growing it out right after the season because I said to my wife, I said because all the comments were, "Oh, he's mad because he's balding." I said to my wife, I said, "Does it look like I'm balding here?" And she said, "Oh my god, yeah, it looks like you're balding." I said, 
I'm going to grow my hair out and you guys will see. So uh, my hair is grown out. I have zero bald spots. It's unbelievable. Uh, beautiful locks, but uh, they'll be gone again by the season. So the fans won't see it, but Alec, <laughs> you get to see it. Um, but that was awesome, man. Like it, it is, it is what it is. Like you honestly, I honestly never want to do that. To be honest with you, right. I never want to do that. I never want to do that. I would much rather go toe to toe with this guy. 50 times then do that you know what I mean um the thing is for me is he had a he had a so we were on our way to to play them in Maine and this is my first time with them playing against Maine and one of my teammates showed me a dirty hit by this guy on him knee on knee right uh Wilson on Maine knee on knee hit Todd you know he said uh you know, this is what this guy did, whatever. It doesn't matter what he said, but he said, this is what this guy did to me. I said, okay. So then game starts, game's going, and he knees on knee hits Cooley. Wait, I actually backtrack. I tried to fight him prior yep. just because of what he did to Todd, whatever. He said no. Uh, he makes a dirty hit to Cooley. And so I change immediately and go to him right in front of him. And say, we're going. I drop my gloves and he turtles, right? What do I do? Nothing, nothing. I didn't punch him, nothing. Uh, you can find that video too. So he turtles, I don't touch him. I get a penalty. Him, he gets a penalty too for the knee on knee hit because I think that one was called maybe. But uh, but uh, either way, like I got a penalty for doing absolutely nothing. So I'm in the box and I go, that was your chance for a fair fight. We are going. I said, we're not going. I said, I'm going to jump you if you don't go me. Just like that, whatever. Screaming though, obviously, box right. to box. But he definitely heard me. And um, and then, you know, next play, next time I'm on the ice, this is just unfortunate for him. They score. And unfortunately for him, when they score, the lights go off. There was a scrum at the net. All the refs go there. I turn around. I see him. And I was just like, you're done, man. And I just dropped my mitts and I, and he turtled again. And I was like, well, I'm not skating away this time, bud. Right. <laughs> you know? So I just started pounding away on him. Hopefully I got him good, honestly, but I don't, I don't really know if I did get him good to be honest, but uh, it was awesome looking up into the crowd, all the middle fingers. It was unbelievable. My smile was ear to ear. You know, I think that suspension was crazy. Five games for that. Um, I mean, the guy was fine too, right. uh, but it is what it is. I thought I was going to get one game maybe, but uh, maybe I'm just a psycho. But yeah, I thought five games was too much. I get suspended all the time. I think they should stop fining us though, but I might get fined for even saying that. <laughs> oh, well, you know, I'm, I'm not one who's in the good graces of the ECHL as you know too. So who knows, this whole pod might just be a shit show for the league and league headquarters <laughs> is reviewing this tomorrow morning, Monday, Monday morning. Yeah. My fines are going to double next year. Yeah. No shit. It's the five for fighting effect, you know, shit. Um, but so yeah, that's the thing about it though, man. It's people will see that 10 second clip and that was an, you know, I get, I love spitting chiclets. I, I love what they do for the sport, but I don't like when, um, you know, when there's 
people will post a clip with, and don't give a backstory. And of course they put like, you know, buddy doesn't know the code. And it's like, well, the code was broken when this dude did a knee on knee hit twice and didn't answer the bell. That's when the code's broken. So at that point it's a free for all. And like you said, you don't want to jump a guy, but if you, if it comes down to it and you have to force a guy's hand cause they won't do it, then that's just the result. You know, oh, I'll pound away until they rip me off. If you're not going to go me and you knee on knee hit one of my teammates, like I will keep pounding you until they rip me off of you. Like, it's just, it's just, that's the code, you know, right. that's the code right there. You don't want to, you don't want that to happen to you. Don't do that. It's, it's really simple. You know what I mean? So, um, I don't know. Like, I just also feel like as, as a guy that does that, that's my role to protect my teammates. So it's just, it's as, it's as plain black and white as it gets right there. You know? No, it is. It really is. And so it was unfortunate that they got like all the, although the way I see it, negative publicity is always good publicity anyway. So it is what it is, but it's just, it's just people will paint such a, a broad stroke with that brush when they just see like a 10 second clip or whatever. So it's just always, always makes me laugh when it's like that, but out of Yeah. The- and for those, and for those who don't play hockey, like I never got this code emailed to me, nothing, you know, I never got this code texted to me. I never seen the code. So, yeah. you know, the code is definitely there, but it's there between, between the guys that respect the game. I think, I think the code is just like a made up thing. Like it's really just about respecting the game, just respect the game. You know, for me, um, am I going to say some nasty things to you if you play on the other team? Absolutely. But, you know, try to find a clip of a dirty hit from me. Yeah, and you you can't or try to find a clip from even even better. Try to find a clip from a big hit that I made that I don't answer the bell. You know, you can't because like that's the respect for the game. It's just even when I'm scoring goals, if I do something wrong and I'm like, I want to score, but I, I'm not focused on fighting. But I do something that deserves to answer the bell. I'm going to answer the bell. That's just how it is. Yeah, exactly. And uh, I think the problem with and this is just me as a you know, I've been a fight fan since I was like probably 17 years old is when I really started doing the deep dive into everything like that. Um, And, you know, I've been around a bunch of different Facebook groups and it seems like people just think the code only applies to fighting. And it was because there was an article about it years ago that came out and that was kind of the narrative. But people just don't realize that like there's so much more that goes into a hockey fight. That's what makes hockey fights so interesting and what makes the sport so interesting. There's so much that goes into it to lead up to a fight. You know, yes, there's the fights where. You know, there's it's it's an energy fight. You want the crowd. You want the you want the boys on the bench to get into it. But when stuff like that happens, and a guy doesn't answer the bell, you got to force their hand. And people don't realize that's the that that is the code to the T. But it's just not the code that people prefer to like romanticize as they look at these hockey fights. Like everything's got to be violent gentlemen all the time, twenty four seven. It's just in a perfect world that you know that might happen, but it's not a perfect world. And hockey, it's just a frontier atmosphere, and that's just what's gonna happen. Yeah, absolutely. I can agree more. It's like it's competition until someone does something that's too far and then they got to answer the bell. If they don't, then yeah. I'm going to go too far. For sure. <laughs> For sure. Um, well, before we leave Savannah, you actually fought Josh Thrower and he kind of tagged you a little bit. Um, you know, can you take us through that fight? Yeah, that's awesome. Thanks for bringing that up. Um, <laughs> so, so, sorry. It's, well, it's, it's no, going no, 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 yeah. to segue into my next question. No, I mean it. Okay, good. I mean it. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for bringing that up <laughs> because, like, we're going to talk about all my good fights and not the not the worst one. So, um, versus Josh Thrower, it was uh, – wow, man. So, we were playing against Atlanta, and we were down, and I just wanted to get some momentum for the team. And I just asked him from far away, like at the draw, I said, do you want to go? He said, yeah. And we just dropped our mitts and we fought. So it was like no anger to it, nothing. And 
to be honest with you, I thought it was going to be an easy fight because last year when I fought him, it was an easy fight. I felt, um, felt I, I felt I won that fight and I felt it was an easy fight. So I underestimated him big time. I said to myself, like his punches can't hurt me type thing. And I was just, my face was right there. And not only that, I was just fighting so stupid in that fight. I took my eyes off him so many times. If you watch, he could have clocked me before, uh, like three times he could have tagged me and I would have went down because I was so open because when I was going to throw punches, I was moving my head with my shoulder like this. And so my head was just going into his fist, you know? So I was setting myself up for failure in that fight. And uh, Josh Thrower is a great fighter. uh, Unlike what I thought prior to that fight, he's a great (laughs) fighter and he is strong. So he tagged me right on the cheek and I went right down and I just like, I was fighting and then I was down and trying to get up and trying to keep fighting. You know, that's how, that's how that experience for me it was crazy um but i felt fine after the game and it, and i was fine after the game everything was good you know uh people were worried about my head like my head was good everything's good but he just he just got me really good in the cheekbone my cheek was a little sore for a couple of days um but other than that then when that happens you just want to fight you just want to fight again so bad that's what because... so you you, you learned my notes over here i was just going to ask you like because like, some if a TKO like that happens now, you weren't knocked out cold or anything like that. You know, you, you know, you kind of Bambi legged you and you, you know, knees gave out for a quick second. But like after that, are you gun shy at all going into a fight? But like, I, uh, well, I was, excuse me. No, man. You just answered I'm my rattled. question. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like you just want to go again. Yeah. I'm rattled. I'm really mad. Like I'm really disappointed. I feel terrible about myself. I feel embarrassed. You know, it's embarrassing. Right. You know, you, you, you're a tough guy. And that's what you do. Like you're our tough guy and you just got a dummy. It's embarrassing for me. And it sucks, man. It's, it was honestly such a brutal feeling for me when that happened. Um, and I just couldn't wait to fight again. Actually what helped me surprisingly is um, two of my friends like had bad fights, like right around that time, like right before that time two of my friends, like one of them got beat pretty bad and like the other one kind of exactly what happened to me and i remember telling them like dude it's one fight you know if you're gonna fight 10 15 20 times a year um for like 10 years like you don't think that's gonna happen sometimes like it's gonna happen so i remember telling them that and then that kind of told myself that you know and but at the end of the day there's nothing worse than that feeling man of because that's our job like that's what we take pride in right i walk around the locker room my head high because you know i know that i do this well but uh when you when that happens and you know it's a it's dead it sucks you can't wait to fight again i'll tell you that for free like i couldn't wait to fight again and that's what sucks about the 10 fight rule is because i remember i was close there so it was like i can't fight i can't fight like I can't get 10 good fights now because right. I only have two fights left, you know? Yeah, so gotcha. like, I, cause after you get knocked out, like I, at least like after me, like after that happened to me, I'm just like, I want to fight the next 20 games in a row and like win right. all my fights because I want to like, it feels like it takes your name and, and, and it brings you down so much when that happens, you know, and maybe it actually does, but maybe it doesn't, but it definitely feels like that. 
No, like you said, and it was years ago when I first started the podcast, one of the best quotes I ever heard, it came from Jeremy Yablonski, like one of the greatest minor pro enforcers of all time. And basically just said, you know, if you're not losing a fight, then you're not fighting the right people because everybody loses fights. It doesn't matter who you are. And it's like, it really is true. And I, like, I sat there, I thought about it. I was like, fuck it. Like everybody loses. It doesn't matter. Like Bob Probert, Tony Twist, all these guys, you know, they lose. And it's just, it's just yeah. a nature that when you're doing the job as often as you are, because I mean, you had 11 tilts this year, um, you know, the more you do it, the more chances there are for that to happen. So it's just, you know, unfortunately, it's just one of the things that come with the cost of the role. Um, and you brought it was a big, it was a big lesson to me too. Like, you know, you learn from experience. I always say that about fighting. Like, yep. you become a better fighter through experience, hundred percent. And it was just like, that was a lesson for me, man. Like, never underestimate everyone. And when you go to fight, like fight like be a dog and fight you can't go into a fight thinking like oh i'm a better fighter than this guy so i could take it easy like it's a dog fight when you drop your mitts like he's trying to hurt you you're trying to hurt him and that's how that's how it's gonna go so uh it was a great lesson for me and i'm i'm actually grateful that it happened you know this early in my career because not only that but then after i was like wow that's what it feels like like (laughs) but uh but no, yeah, definitely uh, sucked, but it was a great lesson. And, you know, I actually talked to Thrower after and he was like, man, I, I really respect you. Like, you know, whenever you want to fight again, let me know. And I remember that's when I was like, I have one fight left. Um, I'll get you at the end of the year. And then I ended up being on a different team. So I right. never played again. But I thought I was going to get him at the end of the year again. And I was like super looking forward to that. Yeah. Um, I just didn't want to be out of fights in the middle of the season. So that that's another thing why it sucks, but, uh, but all credit to him. And like, I respect him a ton and um, I think it's mutual. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I can't, I think it might've been like a Cam and Strick episode way back in the day when they had Tony twist on. And again, you know, me being the fight nerd, I always listened to all the enforcer interviews or whatever, but one of the biggest things, like I heard Tony twist say, and it was, um, it's funny. Cause you know, you go back and look at him. I mean, dude was just an animal back in the day and you see his fights and he was one of the greatest to ever do it. And one of the he things just he, stands, he just, yeah, like, like the old, the old boxer stance. Oh Yeah. Um, oh shit! Where is it? Back up there. That's uh, I got the the twist and chase up there over on the wall. Uh, the the St. Louis Blues Bruise Brothers. That was a good one. Um, yeah, me too. I watch I watch all his fights. Oh yeah, twists. great fighter. But Sick. basically, like yeah, what he what he said was, um, you know, even though he was one of the top dogs in the league, no matter what fight he went into, he had to fight that guy like they were King Kong because it was just like the mentality he had to put himself in to make sure he didn't like slip up or something like that. So. That was one of the it's just one of the cool little excerpts I think just hearing you hear different stories about the role over the years and it's just um I think that's a cool mentality to have because Tony Twist was just an absolute fucking killer, um but you brought up the ten fight rule and I talked about this with him when I had him on as well and I know you know we've I've talked about the ten fight rule at nauseum um and of course I'm sure everybody knows my stance on that knows where you stand on that. But just want to take you through an example there. You you kind of well, you had a fight with Chris Ortabody, but you didn't really have a fight. Um, yeah. Can you take us through like kind of that that incident and what happened there? Yeah, yeah. I was chirping him a lot. I was chirping him a lot, uh, and uh, I was chirping his whole bench. I couldn't fight. I was out of fights. I was running around too, and I also had an assist that game. And I was letting them know that I had an assist too. So I was being, I was being not nice, you know? So 
he uh he's obviously their only guy so he was like telling me we're gonna fight we're gonna fight and i was like i think i had like three or four points in my last five games at that point and i remember telling him like you're like you're a bum you know i would never fight a guy like you like just like just being funny you know and um he said and i I have to give him a shout out too because he said i'm gonna jump you if you don't fight me and i said okay awesome jump me you know uh and it took him like two or three shifts but then he finally did jump me but that's a very important uh point in his career i think uh if he continues to improve as a player obviously um but i did the same thing this year playing against utah um and i never jumped a guy before this season and this season i jumped three guys and it's because when people don't really know who you are, but they know you're a tough guy and that you fight tough guys, then they think that you'll never touch them type right. thing. Um, so when you can, when you tell a guy, I'm going to jump you and you don't jump him, he's not afraid of you anymore. Right. You know, he's not afraid of you anymore. He thinks that he thinks that because of your position in the lineup that you are, you, your hands are tied that you cannot jump him because you will never play a game again, which in a lot of cases they are right but when you jump the guy after you tell him you're gonna jump him now every time he plays you he's like fuck is this guy gonna jump me you know and that's not what i'm thinking about order body because that's this is the job that i do but i'm talking about guys even on my team guys on my team in norfolk that saw chris order body jump me next time they play against chris order body they're gonna be in the back of their head like I'm not going to get in this guy's way because he'll jump me. Right. Do you know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. It's, it's, it's not it's even a, about what he did to me. Yeah. It's about yeah. the message that he sent across the whole rink. Yep. So, and it's the same thing that I did earlier in the year when I jumped these guys. It's now I know because I have, I had a friend, for example, on another team that was like, dude, all my teammates are, are asking me, like, you think he's going to jump me? You think he's going to jump me? And it's like, at that point I had only jumped one guy, but it was very recent. But that's what so you that's, want. You want, you want them so, just sitting yeah, there thinking. So, 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 so that's what it adds because, you know, if, if they're not scared of you, like it's way harder for you to do your job. If they're already scared of you, then your job is so easy. You know what I mean? So I think in the long run, when you jump a guy as a, as this role, it's actually beneficial, but in the short run, it's very stupid and it could cost you your career at the same time. Yeah. Because there's a fine line. We play such limited minutes and we are so, uh, expandable. Is that what it is? Whatever. They replace, (laughs) they get rid of us like nothing and re-sign us like nothing, you know? So something like that could really just get you out of there. But personally for him, it was really good because if he if he is if he is good enough to stay in the ECHL, you know, when he plays against guys that saw that, they're gonna have that fear and he's gonna be able to do his job even better. You yeah. Know? Um, but about that instant, yeah, he jumped me, he was punching, refs never came in. I was like, what's going on? Refs not coming in, refs not coming in. And I should have dropped my gloves after a couple punches because I wouldn't have got the fight anyway. But I just thought the refs were going to come in. Like I said to the refs before it happened, hey, I think he's going to jump me because I had a feeling that he was going to do it because he kept saying, told the ref, hey, I think he's going to jump me. I'm out of fights. I'm not going to fight. Come in right away. Yeah, yeah, I got you. Dude, 15 seconds of this guy. They took their sweet time getting in there. Nobody comes in. I'm screaming at the refs, screaming. 
And this guy's screaming back at me, drop your gloves. I'm like, man, what are you talking about? Get in here. And then at the end of the game, I tried to jump someone on their team and they were in right away. And uh, that's something that also sucks for me because like, obviously because of the role that I do, I'm, right. I'm, I'm looked at different, but, uh, but it is what it is, man. And good for him is what I have to say about that whole situation, honestly. It's yeah. Just, it's the only thing I got to say about it. With the 10 fight rule, that's just where I think it can get dangerous for guys because then you're handcuffed. You don't want to take the sus. You don't want to put your team down. You're already, like you said, you could possibly be expendable in your role. So you're trying to make the good decision and not, I won't say draw the penalty because obviously I know you don't want to sit there and be punched by Chris Ordovani repeatedly. That's probably not the funnest thing to sit there and fucking do. Um, yeah. but you don't want to cost your team a penalty or get it suspended. So that's where I think that the 10 fight rule just becomes counterproductive at that point. I don't know why it's in, but it is what it is. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the, that's when I was, you know, putting up points and I was just right. like not taking myself out of the lineup right now. And I'm starting to finally put up points. So like, I really couldn't afford it. And that's another thing about like fighting, like guys like Tony twist, you know, luckily for him when he was in the national league like he was able to just do that job just be an enforcer in the nhl like right. make a ton of money being an enforcer playing in the national hockey league um and he was able to stay in the enforcer mindset all game yeah whereas now like me um i learned this year a new mindset of like hockey like playing the game you know like not right. having that fighter mindset all game but playing the game first and into it right away it's a lot harder said than done but um that's what's made the game a little bit harder i think honestly is uh you can't because you can't just be a fighter right like and that's good i want to score goals i want to make sick plays i want to get a, lot, a ton of ice time right but that mindset is like it's hard to be like okay i want to score goals i want to make plays i got a tight turn i got to move my feet i got to keep my head up i got to catch every pass i got to give every pass on the tape to I'm the fucking, I'm a killer. I'm the baddest man here. No one can touch. Cause you know, like when you're, when you're fighting, you really got to hype yourself up and like tell yourself you're, you're a dog, right. you know? And, and, and uh, like this guy doesn't stand a chance type of thing, you know, and hype yourself up. It's, 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 that's the, the balance there. It's uh tougher. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, well, the last fight I'll ask you about, um, and then, you know, I'll almost get you on your way. I just got like a, one or two more questions after that. But it was the last fight of the year you had against Newfoundland, and your hand was all mangled. You sent me the picture of that. Uh, you know, and it looked like the ref was going to call a borderline call on you. It was on you. You were like... Brutal it, call. It, was he calling that boarding? Was that what it was? I forgot to check the box yeah. score. Yeah, it was a brutal boarding call. It was like the wor one of the worst boarding calls I've seen. But you kind of got yeah. into it with them. So take a, take us through that situation there. Yeah, it was against Newfoundland. It was a boarding on uh, Skirving. I gave him a light cross check. He went down like a feather. And then uh, I saw the ref put his hand up. And we were down 6-1. I'm like, <laughs> what? Yep. You're calling that? So I give him another cross check. Um, and then their, their guy, number four, Kubicek, he kind of like jumped me. So it was great. He jumped me. He took his gloves off first and grabbed me. And I made sure to keep my gloves on for like a couple seconds too. And then at, at one point towards the end there, I got my left free and just started going as fast as I could. I, he had my jersey, so I couldn't like get like long ones. So I was just little rabbits, but but I was getting him. And uh, he was a little bloodied up at the end after that. My hands were bloodied up bad, but it was awesome, man. That was That was a great fight for me, I think, you know. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, so, what are your what are your goals for next season, man? Well, actually, because I, I know people are going to ask, uh, are, are you sticking around in Norfolk? Do you know yet or no? 
I don't know. Yeah, I gotcha. have no idea. I have no idea what's in store for next season. Um, you know, to be completely honest with you, um, I always want more. Um, I think we should all always want more. Like every year, if you feel like you're getting better, you should want more. Yep. Um, you know, man, I got big aspirations. I hope uh, I hope to get hopefully maybe an AHL camp and uh, and get my foot in the door there. Um, but if not, I hope to uh, I hope to be in the ECHL uh, a guy that a guy that is uh, more valuable to the team than maybe I was seen as in the past. Right. Um, I want to I want to do more. I want to contribute more and uh, I want to help the team win. I feel like I can help the team a lot more um, than I have in the past. And uh, I think I was able to show that a little bit at the end of the season, obviously a small sample size. Um, but I'm hoping for for some opportunity and I'm hoping to be given a chance to prove myself. You know, we don't want anything given to us, but um, I definitely want an opportunity to earn um, earn a bigger role this season and um, just have an opportunity to set myself up for a better season the following one, you know, and just try to continue to um, move up in, in all aspects of the game, really. You know, that's that's my goal. Like for me, we're starting up tomorrow. Actually, tomorrow's official day one, but I've been working out, you know, since the season ended. But um, tomorrow I start, you know, 5 a.m. Uh, workouts. And, yeah. uh, you know, we're working at camp, helping kids out at 8 a.m. till like 2. And then uh, and then we're going on the ice ourselves. So uh, it'll be really long days and it'll be awesome for me to get to coach kids. It'll be my first time. So I think I'm going to learn a ton from that experience. And, uh, man, I'm just excited to, you know, get better this off season and then uh, see how it is next season. I, I just, just hoping for growth, man, like all of us, you know? Yeah, for sure, man. Um, no, absolutely. And I hope the best for you next season. I, I'm not going to lie. Fingers crossed. I hope you play in Norfolk because that's the closest ECHL team to me, you know, my drive. Although hopefully this time I don't lose my fucking keys. You know, yeah. that, oh, that was terrible. Yeah. I don't even know if I told that story on the podcast, but that's a story for another day, folks. Um, but before I let you get going, so and I know it's going to start up soon. I think you just mentioned with the SoFlo 3v3 league. Um, yeah. You know, you're about to start that up again. What's that going to be like? Yeah, June 21st, it'll start back there up the SoFlo 3v3 league. Uh, unfortunately, I'm actually living in Wisconsin this summer. Um, as you mentioned at the beginning of the pod, I just had my first baby. I'm living uh, with a good buddy. Um uh, Zach Solo, yep. who's got a baby daughter as well, and uh, we'll be training and living up here this summer. But I'll be flying down for the SoFlo 3v3 league games, actually. So uh, I'm extremely excited for for this league, man. It's uh, it's the fourth year now, and um, my team won it last year. We're looking to win it again. And uh, the league gets better every year. It's crazy. Like, hockey's growing so much in South Florida. I mean, obviously now the Cats are in the finals. That's uh, huge in the stanley cup finals and uh you know it's it's becoming more and more of a of a hockey hotbed so i'm excited for florida as a whole uh you know and uh the league is going to be unbelievable i can't wait june 21st start you know so full 3v3 league that's the instagram um if you guys want to catch games we put them on live and we throw out content. We got some a ton of good players for you guys to see in the summer if you need a an itch for hockey. So check it out. Not a, not a lot of fighting, but there has been some fights in the league. <laughs> Absolutely, man. Well, Nico, as always, it's a pleasure. I appreciate you taking the time to come on and talk about your your second season, the ECHL. Um, 
you know, it's always a good time. And hopefully, hopefully you even ramp it up next year. I'm hoping to see you in the AHL. Yeah, I, I really appreciate that, man. I hope so, too. Well, thanks for having me on. It's always a pleasure. And I want to give a shout out to you because uh, without you, you know, us guys don't even get to see our own fights most of the time. So I appreciate you, Alec, everything Fight for Fighting does um, for guys like us and uh, just the whole league. It's awesome. Yeah, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't post fights at all. I never do that. That's not me. That's a different, <laughs> that's a different five for fighting guy. Um, but no, thank you. I appreciate the kind words, man. <laughs> Absolutely, dude. Have a good one. You as well. For your right to